So settling into a retreat. This means you experience the uh, shift, depending on how you've been living, but the shift to not eating in the evening, um, no conversations, uh, switching off your phones, not going anywhere special, sitting silently in your body, holding the body upright. This is quite a big <laughs> shift to take on. <laughs> and you shouldn't, uh, you know, so, you know, quite a lot of stuff starts going wobbling and going upside down and because just the, almost a physical adjustment to, to this particular form. <laughs> you know, just what happens to your metabolism where you don't eat in the evening and have it very limited. Yeah. What happens to your your heart when you're not having amiable conversations with people. Yeah. Not getting that sense of warmth and friendliness from other people. Oh, also you're not getting anger and irritation from other people as well. <laughs> and just uh, what happens to your your mind when it's not having all kinds of um, news or stories or uh, you know input, interesting input to happen. Yeah. There's quite a lot of renunciation there, and often things start reeling around, trying to adjust themselves, and yeah. the mind wants to hold on to something or get something to make this worthwhile. Yeah. So, you know, I have an advantage, and I, I live like this most of the time. So, I live, you know, with some of it all the time. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's a little more conversational, things happening, but a lot of the time it's just sitting in this body, you know, with the thoughts and memories and moods moving around, you know. And so it's uh, through that one gets a long view. One gets the long view. It's been like this for many years. Uh, it's like this. And similarly, you know, my what I present, what I teach, is pretty much kind of long view teaching. And uh, this is just one retreat. I hope you do others, and you may find other teachers who give you other things you find helpful, useful, tips, systems, techniques. And I hope I have something to offer. But mostly I offer long view because this is only three or four days and you've got a life. And I'd like to try to encourage you, give you a feeling this is something aspects of this you can live with, you can practice and things you bear in mind. Development by and large is slow or slow in terms of our normal life, normal span. Yeah. Buddhism is pretty long view, like oh, a few thousand lifetimes. So you take fifteen years before you sit on the breath, that's just a finger snap, you know. You know, take 15 years where your mind actually sits on a breath. Well, that's nothing much. Uh, 
So we take the, the long, long view, it means we're just refusing to panic, refusing to get pressurized, refusing to get constricted and pushy, and trusting in the law of right view, you keep putting in the good conditions, noticing unskillful conditions wherever you can, relinquishing wherever you can, yeah? being patient when you can't relinquish, and so on, and gradually there's a momentum that builds up over time and uh, you find what measure you can take, what measure you can manage. This is something that's kind of informal teaching um, and you have to get it for yourself. I uh, notice certainly I start, when I started with a little group, started in, we were in Thailand and there was a little group of us in this, Westerners in this section of the monastery and pretty idealistic actually I thought maybe three months would be enough to get enlightened oh three months three whole months I should do it and that, you know I wasn't the most idealistic <laughs> and then the renunciant life you know I, mean, I thought wow imagine give what I've been doing and then this is pretty much hitting the wall uh, you know, just about hanging in on on the level of just um, not eating in the afternoon, no entertainments, no romances or sexual relationships. You know, that was, you know, well, that's about as much as I can handle. Um, but the idealistic ones said, well, you know, we we're going to do without any. A cootie's got a little electric kettle, a little kettle you could put on a stove and warm it up. And I thought, I'm not giving up my tea. This is my last form of solace. Actually, <laughs> so I've got a good stash of tea to get me through the night <laughs> when it gets dark. And other people they just say, oh, no, get rid of it all. Get rid of their little table. Their little, you know, the the, the monastery is trying to make us feel comfortable giving us things. They get rid of everything. Oh, no, I'm not getting rid of everything. <laughs> I hang on to my little stash of tea. And... Uh, Glean whatever comfort I can get out of that, just the oral gratification. But the idealistic ones are going to get rid of that, and, um, you know, this sort of stuff. And, but I noticed the idealistic ones would go like that for so long, and then they'd crack and, and drop it all, you know. This one young man, and he was a, became a monk and he was there and the place wasn't strict enough as far as he was concerned you know he got rid of everything they put in his cootie to make him feel comfortable he got rid of all that still wasn't strict enough so he was going to a strict monastery where it's a bit more austere and you see he had to go down to Bangkok to catch a train and he goes down to Bangkok and he fell in love with a lady he met in a cafe <laughs> ditch road that was it into that, <laughs> you know, because it's like, you know, you don't have, you have to uh, take care of your human needs and uh, rather just be idealistic. And I certainly recognized myself and noticed that I'd go Bindabad and one of the most happiest times of the day was just walking Bindabad and people silently coming out putting food in the bowl even though we didn't really eat it we just gave it all up just this sense that somewhere 
he was saying, "Good luck to you. Good luck to you." Now you be, you know, in that physical way, he didn't say anything. It was this generous quality of giving. Yeah, and I felt so joyed up by that. It wasn't personal, you know. It could be any old monk, but just this manifestation of the human kindness and goodwill, uh, in, in a, without asking for anything back. You know. Maybe they were, but didn't say anything. Just didn't didn't want you to say thank you. Just and people definitely very eager to do that. And so you you kind of feel pretty, you know, taken aback by this uh, this manifestation. Uh, and but then it would just I couldn't explain it. I just get a sense of being so touched and moved. It, you know, something in me was touched and moved, and it rose to the surface. Feel a sense of gladness and happiness. Then I start meditating and cut it all down. <laughs> you know, the feeling you don't feel anything, just note and go back to the, you know. So <laughs> at the end of the day, it's joyless again. The next day, they fill it up again. <laughs> I could, so it took a while to get out of my head <laughs> and into the heart <laughs> that's it yeah. and I, I, then I, but I've noticed you know that this pretty much a, for a uh, monk anyway pretty much constant quality of goodwill is offered and in, in kind of modest and quiet ways people pay respect and make offerings and it's not really the things that sense of somebody notices you're there and wants to be kind and uh, but it's not done with no particular you know wanting anything back and it's it's not it's just entering the domain it's not even personal now so I see it to happen to other people you enter the domain where people are taking feeling glad at being able to give and there's this quality of the metta, kindness, goodwill. It may be tainted with ideas you're going to gain merit or whatever, but you know we're not coming from 100% purity. Otherwise we wouldn't have to do this practice. <laughs> so you start with as good as you can get, you know, as pure as you can get right now, <laughs> that you can manage without going idealistic about it where you've got to be totally strict and unmoving not feel anything and clear and bright and constantly conscientious and never rest up for a moment without feeling guilty or inadequate living under this kind of tyrannical regime of the idealistic mind and so people do that I've seen certainly monasteries, monks do that in the last a little while, a few years, either they get the message, you better start to be nice to yourself, otherwise you're going to be in trouble, or they basically crack up, leave, so on. And I think, well, good, I'm glad you did leave, because now maybe you'll actually address your needs more, in a more mature way. <laughs> yeah. In a reasonable way. There's nothing, no disgrace in disrobing, the main point is to wake up and to do the process that's necessary and you can't do that without 
goodwill. And I think many of us need more goodwill than we uh, recognize. It's pretty much a constant. You look in the suttas, uh, monks come to see the Buddha, or minister, or somebody else comes to see the Buddha, and it's always this thing was after the amiable and pleasant conversation had been concluded, then the Buddha got to the teaching. So there's this couple of sentences. The amiable and pleasant, you know, courtesies and how are you doing? Oh, okay, oh, you know. Some sense of checking in on the human level in a friendly, relaxed way. And then now we feel settled and now we can go a bit deeper. Now this is, you know, just this territory of checking in with yourself as a human being. You know? Even though this may be not an ultimate truth, it's an experience we have. <laughs> I definitely feel like a human being. <laughs> and uh, trying to find out what, it, what that means. You know, because I didn't know what a human being was. <laughs> they don't, you know, we don't learn that at school. We learn about biology and we learn about physics and geography and history. We don't learn about being a human being. You only learn that from other fully accomplished uh, human beings, and they tend to be rather rare. Mm. Oh, when the monks come to see the Buddha, he says, well, I hope you've had a pleasant rains, and I hope you haven't gone short for alms food, and been comfortable abiding. There's always this kind of sense of how's it been as a, as a human being, and they go, oh, yes, Lord, we've done this, that, and the other. Say, good, good, good. Then, you know, <laughs> now we're settled, and now we can go in. Yeah? Now, this just little, sometimes these phrases don't seem that significant, but it is a significant feature to check in with yourself. How are you? How is it now? What's helpful now? What helps now? And these are verbal, but the idea is that you listen in to the chitta, the feeling experience, the felt experience, it's just stale, stagnant, doesn't say anything back, it seems flat. Um, you don't get any response at all then some kind of goodwill is necessary to be able to the jitta does in its own sense say something it doesn't come out in words it just no it's okay okay that's it it's okay <laughs> not a dismissive I'm okay but yeah you know actually right like this, or most of it, but there's this thing that's bothering me. What's that? Worrying. Okay, just listen to that sympathetically. And relax, soothing, softening, but really, you know. Yes. Somebody, give them a phone number, people can phone the manager if it's a problem. If you've got some difficulty, you can ask about it, mention it. Um, got some time to rest or relax. Um, 
You know, just trust this. Try, try to trust this. And, uh, recognize we do go through some things are never conclusive, things are never complete. Uh, it's dukkha as a characteristic. This situation is dukkha as a characteristic. There are loose ends, there are unresolved topics, there's bits slightly going wrong, there's things happening we wish wouldn't happen, and so on. Mm. The real world. Yeah. Uh, it's like this now. Now you, as a human being, you have the capacity to, okay, it's like this now, I don't have to take that in. What I do have to take in is how I'm responding or reacting to that. I don't have to take in, worry about how I respond to that. And this, you take this into, even into your own body. Body doesn't feel so well, pain in the legs, whatever. That's the body's concern. I'm aware of that. I don't have to take that in as, oh, I can't do this, but this is doing agony. What's necessary now? What's helpful now? Okay, just take a breath of fresh air, walk up and down, drink some water, you know, flex your legs. Just, just take it steady. These are, so we're not too idealistic about it. And in this way, the, the chitta starts to trust that you're not getting into situations which are you're pushing, you're being asked to push harder than you can or take on more than you can. Mm-hmm. And then you found you can take a bit more once you've got that sense of allowance. It may, helps you to relax a bit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, for myself, I can't always get to, the, in my daily life, I can't always get to breathing in and out. I can't get it. Um, just been too many things happening. Uh, too subtle I just sit there and feel the body and don't react to conditions and circumstances just let it blow through sometimes some things you just got to weather through it like you put your anchor down and let the storm blow through you never don't really understand it you just let it rise up well through. And certainly in the long view, monastic life, some of it's like that. You know, there's disharmony in the monastery, the communities are not happy. Um, done all you could to try and make it as best you could. People don't like you. Things are going wrong. You feel like, I'm fed up with this stuff, dealing with all this stuff. What about me looking after myself for a change that doesn't worry about everything? Stop. Feel your body. Wide and soften. Relax your shoulders, relax your face. It's like this now. Do not engage with panic, frustration, or a very common response that uh, I guess I'm a human being so I imagine this is the same for everyone is something goes up in the head and says what should I do about this? 
Or maybe I'll ask somebody else, how can I, what can I do about this? How can I change things? How, what should I do about this? And it goes up into this kind of organizational principle. So then, you know, we need to remember it's like this now. But what should I do about it? No, no, we haven't quite got that yet. It's like this now. Yeah, but couldn't it be? No, 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 we still haven't quite got it. (laughs) Take your time. It's just like this now. It's not you are like this, or they are like this, or... It's like that terrible thing. It's not like this is a disaster, or this is the end of the world, or this is it's just it is like this. It is like this. <laughs> it's not you are like this, or I am like this, or they are like this because of this, or I'm never like this because I'm like that. No, it's just this is it's like this. But when, no, no, you haven't quite got it yet. <laughs> Listen carefully, it's always like this. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean it's like this? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh. It's like this for every, yeah, it's like this for everyone. <laughs> Nobody told me that before. (laughs) This is what it is to be a human being. Oh, we didn't learn that at school. We learned how to do things, and fix things, and organize things, and figure things out, and add things up, subtract things. But never to accept things. Never to recognize it's dukkha, incomplete, and it's not mine. It's not even my problem, my fault my issue it is a topic it is an issue but it's not my issue and if I sit if that chitta can sit there you never know it might find a reasonable response to that generally the response is may you be well that's a good place to start because this is what the chitta can do can do this it's you know it can do it it's its simplest response just goodwill is the place where the mind comes out of the contraction of panic and anxiety and guilt and responsibility and I should fix and it's my fault and probably because of past previous karma and all these sort of complexities that the thinking mind can organize and what I've noticed also very commonly is you know, particularly in any, anything that's got some kind of spiritual connotations, people are so often looking to free themselves of their sin. Either Christians, it's sin. The Buddhists, it's, it's bad karma or bap. I don't know what Muslims do. But, you know, it's a sense that I am sinned, I am defiled, 
I'm impure. How can I, you know, help get me out of this muck? How can I <laughs> clean my jitter up? <laughs> All the terrible weight of sin I am carrying. <laughs> hey, you look like you look pretty normal to me. <laughs> Like anyone sinful than anybody else. Because <laughs> uh, if I don't clear this weight of sin and guilt, then, you know, I'm reborn as a hungry ghost and demon spirits. Jesus, somebody's going to do me in. This is called anxiety. <laughs> and this is called this nagging sense of something wrong with me. Well, <laughs> if there's anything wrong with you, it's just that we take conditions personally. We adopt the unsatisfactory condition nature of our bodies, our relationships, our occupations, our history, our actions, as being some final establishment of what we are, that we will either judge ourselves for, or somebody up there is going to judge it for me, who's even less merciful than I am. But meanwhile, if they can't do it, I'm going to do it myself. So we get this kind of critical, negative, gloomy state. And, you know, if that's happening, either that or we're defending ourselves against the fear that we might be doing something wrong by coming slightly numb and wooden, you know, closing. Going up into the head, closing down the heart, because you don't want to feel that trembling of of feeling you're doing something wrong, or you're never going to make it. So we just get busy up in our heads, takes us away from things. So entering the jitter is, and opening the jitter, or bringing the jitter forth, is not a small thing, it's not even a necessarily... uh, always agreeable experience because often we come up against that which is closing the chitta down which is regret, disappointment, sadness loneliness, uh, these sorts of experiences very common and maybe there are other things too but just to touch into that Uh, and one notices it a lot and it's you know, I was in um, Sweden the other year. And, oh, lovely country! You know, when Sweden is one of those places you tend to idealise as it's all clean and liberal and everybody welfare and you know democratic and non-aggressive, doesn't get involved with wars and uh, everything's kind of clean and tidy and nice and people look nice and you know. And oh, pretty nice country this. And sitting in this retreat, you, know, you get a feeling 
I can't, I don't read minds. I've got enough to read already. <laughs> um, but you get this feeling of, it was kind of funny here. Yeah? And in the interviews, just people coming out of their depression, gloom, sadness. Not even a kind of raging depression, just a sort of shut down state of bleak. You know, just get by, keep going, got to practice. I'm okay. Okay? Is that okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Can't really concentrate very hard. Not very good at meditation, but I'm trying. You okay? Yeah, I'm alright. <laughs> What's wrong? <laughs> and uh, another time I was in another Scandinavian country, and this game is very easy, very nice country, with these kind of good ideas, and uh, good as you can get, non aggressive, non violent pretty free, open sort of place and you could even live on welfare, you know, pretty generous support system they said well you know, probably it ends up with people don't need each other because they've got their welfare so they end up living in a little small apartment with a canary because you're getting welfare so nobody needs to look after you nobody needs to come around and ask you how you are because you, you know, you've got what you need, it comes through the door um, and uh, you know your bills are met so you're in this apartment, all you, all you can talk to is the canary the canary bird or cat or something talk to and it's all these lonely people who don't have a situation where they just how are you doing? how's it going? because you don't need, and that's considered good, you don't need anybody needing people is bad it's attachment if you think like that, you know uh, well we don't, maybe we don't need people in that sense, but we do need the quality of being in an atmosphere and environment of goodwill and sometimes other people a lot of the times other people help to re- us to remember that being seen with gladness mm. not as a function like here's your welfare check here's your food here's your there, you know number 68 crossed off the list thank you ma'am close the door off but <laughs> yeah so without that uh, being generated, you know, our material needs are certainly well met, but the heart needs aren't. No. So, certainly in my own practice, I noticed just how, you know, by and large, in the Asian community, you know, it's kind of restrained uh, towards the monks, but there's always a sense of oh, John, how are you doing? You okay? Let me make an offering, a kind of sense of a you know, 
it's restrained, it's refined, it's courteous, but there's definitely a feeling of spontaneous and individual acknowledgement and some quality of you know, goodwill being manifested through a tray of incense or something like that. And this is what we train in as bhikkhus with each other. You know, you make offerings. First thing you do, go to see someone, have a little tray of offerings, and you make the offering and hope the Ajahn is comfortable, it's okay, and you know, I'm fine. You're not, he's not going to. They're okay, but still, it's not the answer. The, the thing is, the gesture has been made. Uh, I'm interested, I, I, I notice you, I am offering goodwill. It's so very important as a, as a way of living the Dhamma. And on retreat, you know, we, I'm suggesting certainly in your uh, lifestyle here, though it's silent, and try to respect that, these little courtesies towards each other. Uh, notice some of you holding back in the breakfast, let other people go first. Um, you know, so there's no sort of hurrying, sense of respect and spaciousness. This is an offering of goodwill. So when you notice these things, acknowledge it. Even though people aren't saying something, they are recognizing you are present and please, yeah, go ahead, you know. Let me help you with this. And these small gestures are important in their own way because they they're not a technique. <laughs> You know, they're a reminder that we can offer, just even by what we don't do, or what we hold back, we're offering a sense of mutual acknowledgement, and uh, I want to make it as comfortable as possible for you. Now, what, what does that? What does that? So, this is the place we want to, uh, this is the place where Dharma practice begins. It doesn't really begin in the brain. You know, when the Buddha gave what he called his graduated teachings, his initiated teachings, the first thing he taught, dana. Dana means, where does that come from? It's not, well, how much do you need? Six of these or seven of those? No, no, it's not that. It's not a number. It's the spirit of the heart. Uh, and this is where you begin. You begin in the right place. Um, and the next step, sila. Uh, I want to make sure that my actions, behaviors, I'm conscious of them and I'm manifesting non-abusiveness or non-intrusion or whatever you like to put it. Uh, with, the, with the recognition, please let me know if there's something, you know, I'm doing that bothers or annoys you. So it's mutuality. So this uh, conscience and concern is spread uh, so that we, it's not just about other people, particularly as individuals, just to live in a sphere, a field, what's called the measureless field of goodwill. It's not, I like him or her, but, yeah, but you generate the field of it. As it says, you know, above and below, um, all directions, different quarters. What does that mean? You know, you've got a, some kind of rule around you dividing the world into four or six or eight or ten or thirty second direction, 
men in the northeast corner and then the women in the southwest corner. You know, you can do this kind of mathematical thing. But it just means everywhere. So, a sphere. And you walk around in that sphere with a sense of, you know, goodwill. And then also, to others as to myself, free from hostility, free from the anxiety that other people might be annoyed by me. Maybe they are. If they are, let them mention what it is. If they don't mention it, I'll assume they're not. (laughs) And rejoice in that. So, metta, goodwill, and this matures in a number of ways when we experience that which is uh, suffering or in pain, uh, you know, there's a sense of uh, karuna, compassion. May I protect up wherever I can, may my heart protect others from pain. That interest in doing so, if it's just a little gecko gets stuck in your cootie door or something, you know, your mosquito larvae in your bucket, in your, in your, in your bathing area, you look at it, try and cover the bucket with something so that, newspaper or something so that mosquito don't lay their eggs in that water. So this is a sense of compassion and you can widen it and extend it. Uh, not because you've got a particular fascination with mosquitoes or, you know, you think, well, I might be born as a mosquito in the next lifetime, so I'd better make sure I'm getting friendly with them now. But just the sense of, may this quality of compassion and kindness, may that be a constant abiding for me. Whether people deserve it or not. And gladness. Gladness means whatever is beneficial, good, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I allow myself to enjoy and appreciate it. So, anamodana is the common phrase we use instead of thank you. Anamodana means I rejoice, I'm gladdened by your goodness. I'm gladdened by the good action you did. And this is a kind of monk's way of speaking. It's to try to say, you know, I'm not looking at a being, I'm looking at particular actions that I ask and encourage you to acknowledge that maybe you skip over, you take for granted, or you didn't really notice. And a more than a rejoice in that sense of um, restraint or commitment or resolution, generosity, all these that that we manifest. Learn to rejoice in them yourself, please. Um, Rejoice in the good fortune, the the skillfulness of others rather than feel I'm not as good as she is. Oh, she's she's doing really well, she looks really composed and serene, oh, wonderful. So, this is where the boundaries of self and other begin to dissolve. And that's much more comfortable 
than when you're living inside a little self thing trying to get your act together and be as good as the next person as something else which is the contracted state the state where everything sticks the state of because it's contracted it's also desperate trying to find something to hold on to it's a it's a fragile state it's a contracted state it's trying to figure out what it should do to get to feel good and it can't quite do it and it feels perhaps more 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 effort is necessary or yeah and there's the acceptance of the right now this jitter is like this it is contracted it is you know not fully enriched may therefore I experience some sense of kindness and compassion towards this so that it will I can do this I can take away the places where I something in me just continually sticks arrows or knives into my jitta blaming it for not being what I want it to be I can stop doing that or I'll stop doing some of that and I'm old enough <laughs> good excellent <laughs> you keep you keep refraining from that it must bear good fruit and the jitter will come forth as it comes forth there's a sense of gladness oh my jitter has not been you know depressed it's not been oppressed it's not been obsessed it's been a little bit up and down but it hasn't been violent or angry or guilty or depressed and I'm all good notice that notice the suffering that isn't here notice you know five years ago it was strong and now it's passing to appreciate is a, is a skill equanimity the ability to know it's like this now yeah. it changes this is characteristic of unsatisfactoriness and equanimity is the knowing of that without the this nervous reaction make it better change it fix it do something about it equanimity is a very wide resting it's not indifference where which is kind of like a not feeling not you know trying to not feel something it means we sense that we feel the movements of worry, fear, difficulty, struggle feel it uh-huh. it's like this now the jitta can be bigger than the conditions that it meets first of all your jitta seems to be underneath or lay, overlaid weighed down by conditioned phenomena Right. this is when the chitter is really constricted 
as you cultivate it gets to be the case whereby the jitta is able to meet some of these conditions and you know bear with it as it as it comes forth further the knowing quality of jitta begins to open and the knowing measureless you cultivate goodwill to the measureless the measureless means whereas you can measure a conditioned phenomenon like a, a mood or a feeling you can't find a boundary to awareness it's measureless you can't can't find an edge to it yeah? you try to focus on it it's always just wider than your field of vision it may seem slightly intangible or remote because we don't have a way of putting a word on it apart from awareness what's that yeah. we don't find we can't contract around it we can't hold it because it's bigger than that <laughs> but if it's you know what it, it's the it's what says hmm it's like this now So this is a, you might say, a long view, a big view, wide view. Um, during any retreat, including this one, we can, I hope we can find, you'll find, you'll discover your skillful means to touch into the specific details of, uh, of um, how you firm up, how you steady, how you relax, how you arouse, how you encourage, how you put forward energy but one should always live at least with the understanding and that sphere, the wide sphere of may I be well, may others be well quality and you know, whatever else it's like this then your skills then come from not I've got to do this system to get it right or I really should try and sort myself out or I've got to be a better person next week or I'm terribly sorry about what I did so and so yesterday or whatever not from this kind of fretful state but just that was unskillful there was stress and suffering maybe there was misconduct, I can't be clear, but whatever there was put that down, relax that's yesterday what can, is there something I can learn from this about how to continue in the future then I say thank you to the mistake this is the only way we learn maybe there was an error, thank you now I will know how to restrain or bring forth in the future so even though difficulty is not really a problem 
as long as we can find the, the right response rather than trying to rub them out or lament over them something to be learned here uh, many people what needs to be learned is, is goodwill through an absence of goodwill minor flaws become major defects through an absence of goodwill historical failures become tragic life messages I'm always this way they become gloomy scenarios through lack of goodwill and gladness we don't take on the full potential of our chitta we tend to identify with the contracted states or the difficult states and forget or not acknowledge the beautiful states so one should thoroughly uh, establish this means and use it to uh, as your support for encouraging your meditation practice with that in mind establishing that recollecting that because it does go out we look to the simplicity of how do I can use this body its strengths its feelings its energies how can I use this to, to give more solidity to um, support strengthen provide a steady place for the jitta to establish itself to rest itself walking up and down standing, breathing in and out feeling the elements of the body pressures, the warmth feeling the moving of the body tuning into it abiding with it, being with it So let's continue our practice.